Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Was the second <laughs> podcast before Christmas, <laughs> and all through the town. What comes next? Was it? Not a creature was stirring. That's not right. even a Kevin Philip Aloysius Eugene Hillier oh, or a I'm mouse. Stirring. I'm stirring. Don't you worry about that. Uh, ho, ho, ho. Oh. And welcome to the second last uh, podcast of the year. Yes, very good. And one with a bit of a Christmas theme to it. Well, we have Bernard Curry, the wonderful Bernard Curry, who apart from, you know, having a surname that fits right into a uh, food-based show. Yeah, apparently that's going to be a criteria uh, now. Unless your, name's a, unless your name's a food, he, you're not coming on. He is currently starring in the second season of the wonderful A Christmas Carol at Melbourne's Comedy Theatre and just loving every minute. Dickens at its very best, mm. uh, and it is uh, on through until the seventh of January, so post Christmas. Yes, Owen Teal is the main star oh, at the moment. We'll talk to uh, to Bernard about Owen Teal, the Englishman or Scotsman who's out mm. here uh, as the lead. Uh, David Wenham did it last year, but it's Owen mm. this year. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk to uh, Bernard about growing up with oh, his great. his well, marvelous family, <laughs> his mad family. Well, you had to holler to be heard at the <laughs> dinner table when you were growing up with the Curry fa- uh, family, with you know his five family of five. Yep. Very close in uh, in age, and uh, and also Bernard tells us on the, the present day with kids of his own, he's actually quite the cook and uh, very handy in the kitchen. You will find he most certainly is, and we'll get to him in a tick. And our food poll ah. is not a food poll. <laughs> well, I decided to put uh, a couple of old favourites up against each other in Coca Cola and Fanta, and you know this actually was inspired by I had a dream the other night about. Oh, here we go. You remember? <laughs> oh, you wouldn't remember because you're you're too old. But I Are actually you lying down? Um, I remember that the. These people, I think they were from the Philippines, would come to our primary school and they did the yo-yo demonstrations, oh, the Coca-Cola yo-yos Hawaiian. and the Fanta no, no, They were Hawaiians. They were Americans, most oh. of them. Yeah, they were. were. They? Okay, yeah. well, I got that completely wrong. But they were – I was absolutely captivated oh, by them, you know. They did round the, the world, walk the dog. Yeah. And remember the yo-yos were Coca-Cola oh, yeah. and Fanta. And yeah. they, I think they're worth a bit of dough these days now, aren't I they? Have they have a classic say, yo-yo. Now, I'll go on the record as saying I reckon the Fanta ones were dodgy yo-yos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they well, – Everyone wanted the Coca-Cola yeah. ones, yeah. They never seemed to work quite as well as the mm. Coca-Cola ones. Oh, it's well, and they didn't them. they didn't look quite as good either, did they? Yeah, yet I liked Fanta more as a drink than mm. Coca-Cola by a by a mile, to be now, honest. No, a bit too sweet for me. If I had to choose, it would be Coke. In the old Coke in the it. old rippled bottles. The old <laughs> rippled Fanta bottles. You've I love them. Got to hand it to Coke. The uh, the logo and the designing is yeah, um very it's, good. it's just classic vintage. You'll find stuff. out some things about both Fanta and Coca-Cola well, when we get now? to the food pile. Yes, we will. But before all that, it's time for a bit of curry. A bit Bernard Curry here on Food Bites. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Bernard, I guess given your current activities and role, you would be full of the festive spirit already, wouldn't you? Oh, yes, I am currently involved in um, in our second season of A Christmas Carol, which is the um, the wonderful show that's come out of the Old Vic Theatre in London and we're doing a revival of that same show at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne over the Christmas season. So uh, we are full of Christmas spirit and Christmas cheer and love and happiness and uh, welcoming and all the all the fine things that Christmas brings. It's a wonderful cast too. We had uh, Deborah Lawrence on this uh, show about this time last year and she was oh, absolutely good. loving every minute of it. Is the same uh, for you? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I mean, I wouldn't have come back for the second time if I didn't really love the show. I think it's, um, I, well, I, I feel like I speak on behalf of the rest of the cast, but it, we feel like it's a real privilege for us to be, you know, given this kind of responsibility to present this show to people because 
the feedback that we get from our audiences is profound. Like it's, it's unlike any other show that I've been involved with. People are kind of crying in the in the audience, and it really does. Some, I don't know, something about the Christmas season or something that really kind of um, you know is important to a lot of people, and um, it uh, you know people get it, people. We see really truly profound effects on people emotionally as well as you know. I mean, we kind of go on a bit of a uh, we take the audience on a bit of a roller coaster ride of emotions in this show. So um, it's it's kind of understandable, but um, you know the response has been amazing. So we, I'm 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 only too happy to come back and. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I just love the show. Uh, Owen Teal is, uh, is playing Ebenezer Scrooge in, in this year's production. Uh, uh, someone who I'm a, a massive fan of his work. He's very, very oh, yeah. good. He's, is his stage presence as commanding as his, uh, as his television and film presence? Well, it's actually quite, um, it's quite astonishing, actually. He, and it's really interesting for us um, as performers to work with someone, I mean, it, this is the same, you know, it, on paper, it's exactly the same character as it was last year. It's, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a classic Dickens um, character, a, cra- a classic character in, in sort of world literature. Uh, but last year we had David Wenner playing him, and it's really interesting to see the two, um, you know, kind of interpretations by two different actors of the same character. And they're really remarkably different. And you wouldn't say one is better than the other or one's worse than the other. It's just a really different uh, interpretation of the character. Yeah. And Owen himself is the most lovely person you'll ever meet in your life, you know, and it's kind of, and, and, um, and he sort of famously sort of said that he doesn't really like spending time on his own. He's a very sociable person. So, you know, he, he is truly, I mean, he is probably more like the Scrooge at the end of the story than at the start of the story. But, yeah. um, I think you have to be that person to kind of, to then, you know, to have, to have that kind of, I guess, the, the metamorphosis that Scrooge does into that kind of final character. But, uh, he's just a wonderful person to work with and just to watch his process um, in the rehearsal room as well as on stage is, um, you know, it's a real it's a real treat. It's a gift as an actor to be able to work with such high-caliber actors, but also one who's so generous. I mean, he's not, you know, he doesn't ever exude any sort of star, um, you know, hierarchy in any way. He's truly one of the kind of the, uh, you know, the kind of chorus performers. He's one of the ensemble. He's you know, doesn't ever want to place himself on a pedestal and, and he's generous to a fault in terms of on stage as well as off. Oh, wow. Speaking of characters, tell us about yours, Bernard. Oh, yes. Well, I, um, I play the long-suffering uh, Bob Cratchit, who is um, Scrooge's um, right-hand man. I guess he's kind of, I guess he's sort of manservant and he works with Scrooge for very little money. But I, I think the, the character of Bob in the narrative serves as, uh, as a bit of, I guess there's the antithesis to Scrooge in the early story. Scrooge having, you know, all the money in the world, but kind of not wanting to share it with anyone and, and, and not, um, not wanting to kind of enjoy his, his wealth or his life or at all and, um, and being miserly and stuff. And then you have Bob Cratchit who has zero money, but just adores his family and loves his life and, and tries to find the positives in everyone and everything. And, um, you know that that sort of you know you play that kind of antithesis character through the through the course of the narrative, and then and then I guess you kind of help you know you kind of uh, help along the way in terms of helping Scrooge to um, see the error he, of his ways and and help with that kind of transmogrification of Scrooge into the uh, into that the, the final sort of story. I don't want to give away any spoilers, um, you know, like in like in Game of Thrones. By the way, he kills Jon Snow, but um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's great. It's great playing Bob Pratchett. And, and, um, and the other thing about the show is that even though we might have one of the, you know, kind of the satellite sort of leadish characters around Scrooge, we all we also kind of come on and play different characters and like different narration. There's a, there's a sort of a narration element to the story. So we come on, we sort of change clothes and come on stage as narrators with these lanterns and and kind of narrate the story along along the same lines along the, you know along through the narrative. So it's actually a great a great thing. It's not like I'm going off you know and then just just coming on to play Bob Cratchit. I'm always I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on stage, which is the way you want it because I mean yeah. for you as an actor, the, the show just zips along really fast. From the way you're describing it, Bernard, I'm, I'm sure that um, being uh, in a theatrical production such as this requires great uh, endurance and physical endurance. Um, I'm wondering what impact that has on your eating habits and also whether coffee forms a, a part of your daily or nightly routine or both. Well, it, it, uh, now that I think about it, it, it has impacted my eating habits, but only in the sense that, you know, the timetable that we have to keep you know, in this kind of show mode is an evening, you know, usually we have like from Tuesday through to Sunday, we have evening shows and I'm normally the cook in, in our house. Like, I mean, I'm primarily the cook in the house. So I will cook every meal. Usually I've got two kids, two boys, um, 11 and 13. And, uh, my wife, Sonia doesn't really consider herself a very good cook at all. <laughs> and, um, so I'm always cooking, you know, and I love it. I love cooking. So I, I, I'll, I'll sort of cook most meals, but then, in this schedule, it's really hard because, you know, I've got to be in the city by about, uh, you know, usually by about 6.30 every day. Today, it's an earlier show, so I've got to be there by 5.30. So, it's, um, you know, it, it, I can't cook meals sort of six nights a week. I can't cook meals. So, I'm trying to sort of prepare meals that I can freeze in the freezer that Sonia can then just come out and, uh, you know, uh, just free, uh, you know, thaw out and stick it on a pasture or stuff like that. Uh, and then my eating habits, you know, personally, well, because we spend a lot of time in the city, we kind of often go out and uh, and avail ourselves of the of the almost infinite variety of, of wonderful food options in Melbourne in the in the CBD of Melbourne, like ramen and uh, dumplings, and then we've got like Greek food, and then we've got sushi, and we've got uh, Italian up at Pellegrini's, and you know you've got <laughs> en- endless kind of uh, options for each uh, for each day to kind of um, to to go. So it's actually really fun. It's really enjoyable because we like to spend time as a cast um, off stage as well as on. So uh, it has changed my eating habits in that sense. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I try to, I do try to eat healthy and, uh, you know, I try and still train and kind of work out most, you know, four or five times a week. Uh, and then, but you, like you said, the kind of physical rigors of the show do actually keep you in shape because we find ourselves like it's a, it's a really high output and like high energy output throughout the course of, of one show. Sometimes we have two shows a day on like a Wednesday or a Saturday. So, um, you know, that kind of keeps you, keeps you kind of moving and keeps you fit also. What's your signature dish? If you, you're, you're a very good cook or what, 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 what's your, what's your number one on your chart? Uh, okay. Look, the thing is as a dad, right. As a, as a parent, you know, the, your signature dish has to be something that is, uh, you know, loved by everyone, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I do a nice. Well, here's a little precursor to the whole story because my wife is a vegetarian, and then now my 13 year old son is a vegetarian as well. But they, I guess, they're pescatarian. They eat fish. Mm. I like meat. I like a, you know a good steak on the barbie and stuff like that. But um, I can't really do that. I can't really just cook everyone. You know, kind of a nice you know ribeye on the on the barbecue with some roast veggies and stuff like that. So. 
my signature dish, which is one that I know everyone will just hoover in, is a um, it's a kind of a I sort of made it up really. It's a salmon um, salmon pasta, but it's a salmon sauce that I do with like cooking cream and stuff, and like garlic and ginger, and I and then I cook salmon. I always zest uh, zest a lemon. And then it's my belief that anything that can have lemon juice in it, that, you know, that works with lemon juice will also work with lemon zest and it will actually bring more of that um, flavor into, into whatever you're cooking. So I'll always zest the lemon and, and then put lemon juice in there as well. And surprisingly, it doesn't curdle the cream, which is good because, you know, if you use oh, yeah. cooking cream, it, it doesn't, um, doesn't curdle cream. Um, so yeah, garlic, ginger, and then I'll put, you know, a kind of handful of chopped up dill in there as well. And then I throw a few, for some reason, my 11 year old loves capers and he just can't oh. get enough of them. So I'll throw a bunch of capers in there and stuff. And then, you know, some parmesan over the top with some salt and pepper and, and away you go over, over pasta and it's just, it disappears. Oh, that is my favorite kind of food, Bernard. I know it's not Kevin's, but you know what you call that? It's a good veg aquarian meal. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. It's got, uh, it's got green things. It's got pink things. It's got white things. It's got, uh, you know, weedy things. Oh, I love that one of your children loves capers too. I think capers are the best thing going around. What about yes. a, um, a, a sweet tooth? Well, um, we kind of, I think we almost always have. My, my father was a an ice cream kind of fiend. So we always had ice cream when we were growing up and stuff. So I sort of followed that on a little bit. With, you've almost always got a little, a little tub of ice cream in the in the fridge. Um, so, so I I actually don't mind an affogato, which is just you know you just sort of because we've got a nice coffee machine at home. So you just sort of run out a little um, a ristretto out of the coffee machine and pour that over some nice vanilla ice cream and uh, and away you go. But in in general, uh, like a general sort of dessert for me would be like usually yogurt. And uh, and some fruit, and I eat, I get some roasted sort of almonds and chop them up, and uh, screw a bit of kind of texture through it, and sometimes a little bit of dark chocolate as well in that. But um, you know, that's a, that's a that's a regular sort of thing for me, and and it's a good one for the kids because it's not too you know it doesn't have too much sugar in it. Um, so we just kind of that that can be dessert on a on a regular basis, and then every now and again we have a bit of ice cream. So you mentioned as a kid you had ice cream. What was the curry household? Yes. What was on What was on the table for you and the uh, and the tribe? Well, oh, you mean you mean in terms of the ice cream? Well, no, well, in no, terms of when you were growing up. up. What, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, mum, mum, and were there dinner table fights and uh, and yeah, games yeah. with peas and yeah. things like that? <laughs> there were always like our. I have five. There's five kids in my family, and the, and my mum actually had five kids over about seven years. So we we're all of it was all about seven years apart um, in five, five five kids. So mum tells a story like over a period of about a decade, she was either pregnant or breastfeeding or both. <laughs> um, and so we're all quite close in age, and we all come, we all get along pretty well. Even though you know our dinner times at you know, when we were growing up were were completely raucous. Like, you know, people would come over and be like, what the hell is going on here? Because we're all, you know, cause you've got to basically shout or to, to kind of be heard over, over the kind of the din, you know. So, um, and then even my youngest brother, he's the youngest in the family, I guess, you know, he sort of had, he sort of developed his kind of, his comedy chops because <laughs> to be heard in that in that environment, you had to either be just loud or be really funny. And uh, he sort of developed uh, his comedy chops through that. But, uh, you know, my dad was a pretty simple kind of guy. You know, meat and three veg, and um, and mum was mum was a good cook, but she 
she had a few kind of signature specialties. One of hers was the uh, the beef stroganoff, which I used to really like oh, over yeah. rice. Um, uh, you know, but kind of it's that it's that older generation type of um, fare. You know, it was never it was never kind of anything really detailed. Mum would do a really nice roast every now and again, which was beautiful, probably once a week. Um, but it was generally kind of meat and three veg or some pasta or, you know, that, that sort of standard kind of, I guess, suburban fare really. But because dad didn't really, um, uh, he wasn't really into the whole uh, Italian food. He, you know, mum was going to go overseas a little while ago when dad was still alive. And, and we said, dad, are you going to go to Italy with um, uh, with mum? And he goes, nah, why? I don't want to go to Italy. And I said, why do you want to go to Italy? He said, well, for a start, the food's crap. <laughs> And, and 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 then and Mussolini was a prick. <laughs> they were two reasons. Valid. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know. So um, you know, so he was a fairly simple man when it came to food. He just liked his um, you know, he got his meat and three veg, and and then an ice cream at the end of it. He was uh, he was a happy man. Oh, so that's, that's simple. Dead. It's funny, when I was a, a teenager, I made a pasta for my mum and dad and I remember my dad saying, what's this newfangled thing? Where's my meat and three veg? Exactly, I mean, exactly, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, you look at pasta today and you think, well, that's pretty pedestrian really now, but uh, but back then it was, a, it was a newfangled thing. Yeah, no, that's right. It's, um, it's all, you know, people, it's the things that change these days. I, I do like it. I do like it, like I was saying before, my wife and I, um, uh, we bought a we bought a house a few years back, and and um, you know, kind of we had a few sort of, I guess, a few non-negotiables. And mine was in the kitchen. I wanted to because we were living, we've been living for the last seven years, renting a place in Glen Iris with a with a sixty uh, six hundred mil sort of little gas cooker, which was kind of tiny, and it used to frustrate me. And I'm like, I'm getting a big nine hundred. Um, so we got the Smeg Portofino, which is this kind of beautiful big kind of oven and, and cooktop, but it's the it's the induction. Um, because when I did I did Big Brother one year, this sort of celebrity Big Brother thing, and they had induction cooktops and I hadn't cooked on an induction before and I was like, Look at this, this is unbelievable. I could just it just yeah. boils water like super quick and it's like and then you you know, you turn it down and it instantly goes down to that level and then you go seven or eight and then it goes whoop straight to that. I'm like, This is this is crazy. So I got the you know the top of the range with bang um, Smeg Portofino uh, induction cooktop and I love it. It's like you know it's the, it makes cooking it just makes it more pleasurable. You know when you've got the right kind of tools and you've got the right um, surface area. You know to be able to kind of uh, you know do you know when I'm cooking a mash and then you've got peas on the boil and then you've got um, you know a pasta thing or you know whatever. So. Uh, or, you you know, if I'm cooking schnitzels or something. So there's enough room for all of those things to be kind of, you know, going at the one time. And then the oven is, you know, huge. And, got you know, you can put like nine pizzas in the oven and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's really good. Now, I know that you're right in the in the uh, the midst of doing a, a theatre and loving every minute, but probably would be remiss of me not to mention, you know, what, one of your recent roles, or I guess it's not so recent now because we're going back to about 2016, uh, you were playing a um, quite a corrupt character uh, on uh, the TV uh, series uh, <laughs> Wentworth. I'd love to just know, uh, characters like that, is that something you really get your teeth into? Uh, well, if you ask any actor what... Um what is more fun to play, the the villain or the hero? They'll probably say the villain. It's a bit more, it's just more fun. You know, you yeah. can be sort of, my, my character, um, Jake Stewart, was uh, duplicitous to say the least. <laughs> and um, and I kind of, 
I did six seasons of Wentworth, which was a real blessing, you know, and I just loved every minute of it. Um, just to be able to get the sort of the scripts that we used to get and the, and the kind of production values and to be able to work with some of those other performers was a, a professional highlight of mine. But um, the actual character of Jake was, you know, started out kind of really quite nasty and, you know, snaky Jakey, they used to be called like <laughs> Jake the Snake. Uh, but then he, he actually had a bit of uh, a renaissance of sorts and kind of, um, you know, the redemption of sorts for Jake in, in the later seasons where he kind of changed his ways and, um, you know, he had a baby with with, uh, with Vera in the, in the story and, and kind of wanted to ch- turn his life around to be a good example for, for her and for the baby and stuff. So I kind of got to play the villain and the hero in the mm. one character. So um, it was just great fun over the, over the six seasons we made. You know, I made some real lifelong friends out of it, and um, and and you know, it it just the kind of the the, the professional experience of working on on Wentworth was something that I'll I'll just treasure forever. Yeah, no high quality Australian made uh, drama. Uh, tell me if you're having a dinner party yeah. at your place and you're going to you know cook on the on the whiz bang uh, uh, stove induction and, and cooktop. Induction yeah. cooktop yeah. you've got there. What? Who would you invite? Yeah. Who would who would get a Guernsey? Well, I was I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm a fairly um, I'm a fairly scientific sort of person. I like to kind of um, you know ponder kind of the cosmos and science, and and then you know down into that kind of the, the quantum sort of um, level of things and stuff. So I think if you had Leonardo da Vinci and Albert Einstein having a conversation in the room, just just for the sake of listening to what they would talk about and what their you know kind of thoughts and ideas would be. Uh, I, I think that would be just incredible. And then people like um, uh, Richard Dawkins, who is kind of, um, uh, you know, he's, he's a sort of famous atheist kind of um, science, scientific sort of fellow. And he talks about the kind of the, the selfish gene and, and genetics and stuff like that, which is really fascinating. And, um, uh, and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, you know, I, I think it, it, the conversations that came out of it, and then maybe just throw Donald Trump in there just to kind of... <laughs> oh, oh, dear, oh, dear. What a night. You know, just, <laughs> just to sort of like kind of just to sort of mix stuff up and see what kind of, you know, looks he would get from Albert Einstein. Like, who is this idiot? Like, you know, <laughs> but I just... You've got, you've got to have... You've got to have light and shade, I think. You know, if you had too many scientific people in there, too many smart people in there, it might get a little kind of dense, but I think if you throw a dumb person in every now and again, and maybe Vladimir Putin or something, like just chuck a couple of those, just to sort of, just to fire things up and uh, and see how the party goes, and then ply everyone with enough alcohol um, to kind of really, you know, get get the sort of get the mood going and, and see what happens. Oh, I had to be a fly on the wall that night, <laughs> Ben. Yeah. Just <laughs> just to finish up, we uh, we usually like to ask our guests if they have a kitchen or a cooking tip to share. Well, I mean, I've already I've already shared mine. I, my my <laughs> cooking tip is, uh, yeah. is, a, is lemon zest can go in anything that that a lemon juice would go in, and it just and it gives it a a good lift. Yeah, perfect, and it doesn't curdle. That's that's amazing, really yeah, scientifically. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. You would think so, but it doesn't. Hey, what? But, uh, uh, yeah. What do you got lined up for twenty twenty four? Anything at this stage? Once uh, Christmas Carol's done. Uh you know, it's a weird thing, actually, when you were saying how it's, it's the Christmas season and it's, um, it's you know, it's, it is the Christmas season. We've actually extended our season into January. And I can tell you, it's a weird thing. Once Christmas is in the rearview mirror, even between Christmas and January, it's not so, not so bad. Once we have New Year's, we've got another week of shows after New Year's. 
it's very strange to be saying, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the theatre. Merry Christmas. <laughs> How are you going? Yeah. You know, season's greetings and stuff. People kind of look at you like, man, Christmas is like two weeks. You know, people really forget about Christmas really quickly once it's gone. Uh, leading up to it, it's, it's, it's all anyone talks about. But once it's gone, it's gone. So, uh, but into 2024, uh, there's a couple of things that are that are possibilities. It's um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of voiceovers, so that that kind of just ticks over and kind of keeps kind of cooking along with this. But and um, uh, you know, then, and hopefully, hopefully we um, there's there's more um, you know, good good work on the way. But um, I think with the whole Christmas Carol, the the producers like to keep it like as a family. So I'm almost certain that the offer would be there to do this again next year if oh, um, if I was otherwise unemployed. So um. Uh, you know, I, I would definitely come back and, and do it again if I was able. So, um, you know, that 2024 look is looking pretty good this stage. Good stuff. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. We've really, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was good fun. Uh, and uh, good luck uh, with the rest of the season of a Christmas, Carolyn. Good luck for 2024. Thank you. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Sarah. Really appreciate it. And good luck with you guys as well. And uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Wasn't that good? It was very good. It was lovely to catch up with Bernard. What a what a nice man. Fantastic. What a talented actor. Absolutely. So yeah. we've uh, that is the second curry we have had on this show. We had his youngest brother Stephen not so long ago. Yes. Both very lovely blokes. Yeah, and there is no truth to the rumour that you have to have a name of a food to be on the program <laughs> in coming weeks. Absolutely not. All right, let's get to the food poll, oh, which isn't a food poll. Yes, let, let's put the drinks, the fizzy drinks up against yeah, one another, the Coca-Cola up against the Fanta. I'm going to start with our friend Carol, who yep. says a uh, Fanta for her. Rachel says a freezing cold Coke hits the spot occasionally. Mm-hmm. Whilst working for the Coca-Cola company, one of our fortnightly perks oh. was free six slabs of our choice. Oh, I used to choose Fanta. I rarely chose Fanta, I should say. Found it sticky, sweet, and the original ingredient is foul. Oh. <laughs> so there you okay. go. Rachel's not a rep for Fanta. It is very sweet. Yeah, it is. Artie says, I don't mind either as long as it is the no sugar variety. Rebecca says Fanta. Rob Westwood says Fanta. Cherie says, I hardly have fizzy drinks, but if I had to, I would take Coca-Cola over Fanta. Yes. <laughs> Terry says, years ago... If I had to make a choice, it would have been Fanta. Pete Tanowski says neither. Remember that Fanta, 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 it's a bottle of fun. Oh, yeah, they're good jingles. Silvana says it's Coke for her. Sue Landry says Coke, icy cold. Yes, it has to be icy cold, yes, it doesn't does. it? Yes, Sue Hosking. Gives you a headache, though. I used oh. to get a shocking Coke headache. Well, like Coke spiders oh, too. Oh, yeah. now that's what I was going to say. That's what they're good for. Frozen Coke. Yes. Sue Hosking says, why am I talking like this? I don't know. Says, <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea. You're auditioning for the part of Ebenezer Scrooge in next <laughs> yes. year's A Christmas Carol? Sue Hosking says, <laughs> Fanta for me. I've liked the good old RC Cola and Joe's. Now, you would be familiar with Joe's. Joe's from a, down your way, yeah, I would it's imagine. a Carambara, yeah. okay, Carambara uh, brand of soft drink. Well, the one, the one where we currently live yeah. is Lloyd's. Used to be well, Lloyd's. Yeah, used to Joe's. Come they used to deliver yep. in the crates. All uh, different flavors. Uh, so Sue liked Joe's as well as a kid, but yep. uh, Coca Cola flavor is just yuck to her. She says. Angie says Coke. Lydia says Coke. Rachel says both occasionally. Kathleen says. Neither. Stephen says Coke is it. There oh, it is. That is the catch cry. There you catch go. Someone had to do it. There you go. Michelle says none. Old Croaky says no contest. 
the sickly goodness of original orange oh. Fanta gets my vote. And the original orange, did it have the little bits of fruit you could see or is that the Torino that uh, Christy no, that Allen the, used to see about? that was the Torino one. No, I didn't like when it. When orange is the taste you need, no, no, no. it's got the fruit you can see. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Fanta was just basically a bit of uh, fizzy fizzy water <laughs> a with, a, with a truckload <laughs> of sugar in it. Rick says Coke. Uh, Stephen Quartermain says Coca-Cola all the well, way. Alan Fairbairn says uh Coca-Cola. Colette Mann from the UK says Coke. Audrey says, interestingly though, it is the second oldest brand and it was created in Germany at the German Coca-Cola bottling plant during World War II and named by staff who were asked to use their imagination, fantasy in German. Oh, I see. Fantasy in German. Hence the name Fanta. I did not know that, Audrey. Neither did I. That is a, a compelling bit of history. Absolutely. Why didn't we learn that in history at school? I have no idea why we didn't learn that. Uh, <laughs> Jim Wilson says, neither. I'm a solo man. Uh, oh, I just did, Alan, didn't I? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Jackie says, uh, I can't picture you on a canoe in rapids. Oh, I see. That's yeah, Jim, that's Solo Jimmy. Man. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Dylan Leach says Pepsi Max. I Thanks, always Dylan. feel like the Solo Man when I've mowed yeah. the lawn myself. I don't know about you, Kevin. You're going to slam it down yeah. hard. Oh, yes. Uh, I will in a moment. Um, <laughs> 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 I most certainly will. Now, the voting. When Very interesting. A, when you've got a thirst for it, you've got to crack a Solo. Both says eight. Eight percent for both. We get a lot of both. Yeah, the we time. do. Yeah. We do. Neither. Twenty percent. Oh, okay. Fanta. Twenty percent. Oh, that leaves fifty-two for Coke. So it wins. Coke wins. Yep. Sort of. Yeah. Resounding, I would say. Coke in spiders is oh. is inspirational. It is the best use of Coca-Cola, apart from helping clean the toilet, it's the best <laughs> use of Coca-Cola ever. And the other one is uh, from the Seven Eleven is the the Coca-Cola Slurpee. Or the, do you call oh, it a Slurpee? Oh, yeah, yeah, when they freeze it. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, very nice. It's got a lot of merit. Yeah, no, very nice. Fanta uh, has, a, has a place. I loved Fanta just as a, as like two mouthfuls and that was about mm, it enough. That's all uh, you needed. Yeah. Uh, but but those little those little ripple bottles were, I don't know how much was in those little mm. ripple bottles from the old days, mm. from the 60s and 70s. Mm. Uh, but they were good, really good, just the right amount. Good back. times, yeah, good no, times. They were very good. Great classic hits. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, seriously. <laughs> seriously. We're at the end of the year. We're at the end of the, end of the year, aren't we? we yeah, we're, we're, un, we're unravelling. You can just tell, can't you? The voting, we're going the, off. The voting on whether Sarah mm. makes it into the last episode. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> conjecture as to whether I'll turn up. Our thanks to Bernard Curry. A <laughs> Christmas Carol is showing at yes. the Comedy Theatre. Now he's playing Bob Cratchit and doing it very well. Yeah, lots of audience participation yeah, and is. engagement too, yeah. so you'll absolutely love it. Good stuff. Uh, uh, we'll be back. Uh, next time with we another might. episode of Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Be there or be mm. square. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.